0: going through treatments, and this is from Jen Hollinsworth, so let's remember Doris Pool uh, in prayer. All right, and uh, let's uh, just open up with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Willie, if you would, just stand where you are and lead us in our opening prayer.
1: Yes, yes, dear Lord.
0: Amen. There, let's Amen. sing. It's
2: 284.
0: 284, everybody stay.
1: It
2: is so sweet in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust Him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus just to trust his cleansing blood just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing flood jesus jesus how i trust him how i proved him more and more jesus jesus precious jesus oh for To trust him more. Last verse I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that thou art.
0: All right, as far as the announcements are concerned, I know that this Friday night we have, what's coming on Friday night? Oh, they're not having it, that's right. It was supposed to have been the, um, the uh, paint night, and so they're gonna have to postpone that. But there was something Friday night, I mean Saturday night, right? Singing the Singing at the park in Quarryville. All right, so let's not forget that. <laughs> And then all of the rest of the announcements are in the announcement bulletin. And if you haven't gotten one of those, there's a few left. Uh, I know you're not all getting one because if you all were getting one, they would all be gone. So, uh, so there, because there's some still left, I know that some of you did not get an announcement bulletin, so be sure and get that on your way out, because not only do we have the announcements on the announcement bulletin, but we also have the prayer request on the back, and so be sure and pick up a bulletin on your way out, and remember to pray for one another, uh, and lift them up in prayer. All right, we're going to ask our ushers to come forward for our regular Sunday evening tithes and offerings. You give as the Lord directs, and I know he'll bless you for it. All right, I think four's enough tonight. I think we're good. All right. Who prayed this morning? Kurt, Kurt. all right. So it must be your turn. <laughs> Go
3: ahead. Lord, I thank
0: you again for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord. I thank you for each one that's able to be here tonight, Lord. We pray for those that aren't able to be here, Lord. Those that are sick, Lord. Those in the hospital, just pray you'd be with them, Lord. Just give them a special blessing, Lord. And just thank you, Lord, for this church, Lord. I pray you be with the one that would stand to preach tonight, Lord. Just give them the words we would need for the hour, Lord. Bless this offering. Bless those that have to give and those that have not alike. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: He's 97. 97. Everybody stand. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us off for the showers we plead our this last verse come on up there shall be showers of blessing oh that today they might fall now as to God we're confessing now as on Jesus we call shall we need, mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead, amen, you may be seated.
4: sit here and think about just what he's done start counting my blessings one by one I sure don't deserve all that he's done for me but I'll praise him forever through eternity Breath. He's given me life. He saved my lost soul from sin and strife. Jesus died on the cross just to show me his love. He's building me a home in heaven above. i stumble as i journey this way but his mercies are new every day his grace is sufficient for every trial he amazes me more and more every mile he gave me his word in this precious old book it speaks to my heart every time i look he loves me and he helps me when I'm tempted to sin. Through Christ my Lord, over Satan I will.
5: Song where it says that I'm amazed that he take the time I'm amazed that he'd take the time to do anything for me yeah, there's just nothing that I have of any worth, of any value to offer him yet he continues to do and bless and supply and meet the needs and that I'm just thankful for that and uh, I'm really trying to make more of an effort just to every day be thankful and to be in awe of, of God and what he's done in my life and what he does for me and and recognizing that I can't make it a day without him and I think that's why I like this next song so much because it says that he is the God of all my days yeah. no matter what is going on in my life he is the answer yeah. no matter what is going on in your life He is the answer. No matter what struggle, weakness you face, stronghold that's got a hold of you, um, just uh, decisions that you got to make, storms that you go through, whatever it is that's going on in your life, He's there, and He's faithful. Even when we're not faithful, I love that verse, and I know I've probably said it before, but even when we're not faithful, He is faithful. No matter what we do, I'm amazed that He takes any time out of His. (laughs) busy schedule to focus even a fraction of it on me let alone to be the God of all my days every step that I make every decision that I got coming up everything that comes up in my life He's the God of that and He deserves to be praised and thanked for that God of all my days
6: sin, and that's not always a fun topic to preach on, but it's where the Lord has landed us in the book of Zechariah, and as I was going through this message and and getting things ready and uh, contemplating those things, it just keeps coming into my mind that I'm thankful that I don't have to answer for my sin, that I don't have to to bear that weight, and uh, hopefully at some point in your life, that truth has hit home to you. That you're a sinner. That uh, you're separated from God. But you don't have to pay that penalty for it. But no greater than I think of an illustration than is that thief on the cross. As he looks to the other thief and he says, This man, he shouldn't be here. But what we are receiving right now, we are getting it justly. We are receiving the due reward for our deeds. He said... I am being nailed to a cross, literally, because I was an evil person on this planet. And you know, I know it's hard, but we just don't look at ourselves as evil. Yeah. And it makes it tough for us to come and really ask a holy God. He, all he said to Jesus that day was, Lord, remember me. And he passed from this life into paradise. Sins forgiven. I, I'm pretty sure that guy's still shouting all over heaven that his sins were forgiven. That the lamb paid for it. Man, aren't you thankful that yeah. under grace, yep. our sins are gone. Yeah. Our sins are as far as the east is from the west. I don't have to pay for my sin. Let's just praise the Lord tonight for that simple fact yeah. as we get ready for the message. That our sins are under the grace of God. Amen. As we mentioned, turned with me in your Bibles to Zechariah chapter number 5. Zechariah chapter number 5. We've been moving our way through the books of the minor prophets. <clears throat> and uh, we've kinda, I've kind of got stuck in Zechariah. And uh, we've had uh, quite a few uh, passages that we've gone through here. And we've taken a little more time with the others. And I think it's been worth it at least it has been for me. I do want to make a mention of a couple of things. Let's be praying for Pauline Duvall, as she hopefully will get to come. And i wanted to mention it this morning and I forgot that she uh, has been feeling some better and they're really hoping that today or tomorrow she'll get to come home. So let's be praying for her. Uh, And then it's been a while since I had a book recommendation, but I do have one. Somebody brought this book back to my attention And I had seen this book a while ago, did not read it. They said it was good, and I read it. But it's called Calling and Equipping Men to Lead Their Homes, and it's about family shepherds. It's a great book by Vodi Bauckham Jr., and uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, I think that we've already put it up on Facebook so you can see it there, see what it looks like. And uh, it's available in a lot of platforms as well on audiobook, and it's a great way to... Listen to that as well. So calling and equipping men to lead their homes and family shepherds. It's a great book. And that's what we need. We need men who will lead their homes, be the shepherd of that home, be the spiritual leader for that place. uh, And we still believe in that and are praying that God will equip you to do that uh, here at this place. All right. Zechariah chapter number five. If you found that in God's word, stand with me as we read this. And then we'll ask the Lord to help us this evening. Zechariah 5, verse number 1. The Bible says this, Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes, and looked, and behold, a flying roll. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits, and the breadth thereof 10 cubits. Then said he unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. For everyone that stealeth shall be cut off as on this side according to it, and everyone that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side according to it. I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it it shall enter into the house of the thief and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name, and it shall remain in the midst of his house and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, Moreover, this is the resemblance through all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead. And this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, this is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah and cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold, there came out two women and the wind was in their wings for they had the wings like the wings of a stork. They lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto me, To build it a house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to open up the Word of God. We pray that you'd help us tonight. Dear God, I know that you've got a message on our hearts that I believe is needed and is timely. I pray that you'd help us this evening uh, to just deliver it in a way that would be uh, helpful to your people. Dear Lord, uh, I know what you want. I believe what we need to do with this passage of Scripture. And I believe that it's a little bit difficult. I pray that, dear God, as you deal with sin that is in our life, as we deal with sin uh, that we struggle with, that we would be honest with you, God, and that we would be real about the sin that is there. There is no use hiding from you the sin that is in our life. It is so foolish for us to act as if we can put some sort of cover upon it and come to you with some sort of boldness. There is only one way to approach you boldly, and that is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So tonight, I pray, dear God, that we would be honest with ourselves, we would be honest with the Word of God, and we would deal with sin as you put it forth in our hearts tonight to deal with it. Lord, we love your Word. We pray that it would speak to us, be the sharp-cutting tool that it needs to be in our hearts and in our lives this evening. In Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What an unusual vision. Amen? two visions that we're going to deal with together here tonight. As you noticed, as we've been moving through the verses or the chapters, the chapters have been pretty plainly dealing with one vision per chapter. But here in chapter number five, we have two visions, and I think they go together very well. It's not necessarily apparent at the beginning how they go together, but I really believe that they do. I want to remind you tonight that as we have been studying the book of Zechariah, it's been a little while since we've been there, and I do believe it's going to be profitable for us at the end of the section of the visions to very quickly put them all together uh, and look at them as a whole, and we're going to do that at the end, but that's not tonight as we're still in the middle of them. We're coming very closely to the end, but we're still kind of in the middle, but every vision that we've dealt with has given us a lot of encouragement about the coming of Jesus Christ, visions of the Messiah, visions of the King of Kings, visions of the leader of the free world. We've seen this over and over. This has been encouraging God's people who have returned to the land of Jerusalem, who have returned to the land of Israel, left Babylon where they've been in exile. And I'm just putting you back in the picture real quick because it's been a while. They are now come back. Back into the land with a goal and a mission to rebuild the temple of God to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem and they've been being discouraged in it but Zechariah comes and he reports to them that guess what God is doing a great work here in this time a work that's so great it is mirroring the work that he's gonna do in the end times when he restores all things God is a God who who is a savior, God is a God who is good to his people, and he keeps showing them these visions and showing them these signs and types of a savior and a future glory of Jerusalem. He is encouraging them to keep working. It's going to be worth it. And I still believe that we need that encouragement today. Christian, keep working. It's going to be worth it. I know that the times look difficult and all of those things, but keep working. It will be worth it all. And so he's encouraging them with that. But in chapter number 5, the visions, while they can be encouraging, they also have some weighty things that we need to deal with. What unusual uh, things that we see. Number one, as we see, he sees a flying scroll. And I'm just going to give you these and we'll, we'll deal with them as, as we go. Uh, and literally, as this is the only one that I can remember that the prophet doesn't say, what does this mean? This one seems to be somewhat more obvious to him. He sees a scroll that is flying around the whole earth. It's an open scroll. And he sees as it goes and we'll deal with that. And then... As we see in the second part of the vision, we see, or the second vision that he has in this chapter, we see that there is an ephah, which is a measurement. It's a measurement that would use with grain. It would be a way that they would measure it much like we would a bushel today or something like that, grain and corn and all those things. The lead that he's talking about would be a, a pressed marker on the top to show this is a bushel or this is an ephah that has sealed it, it's good for that. And then he says there's a woman in the middle that represents, as he shows us, the wickedness that is inside of that. And then just as you heard in that, he sees two other women who have the wings of storks pick up that ephah, fly it between heaven and earth, and take it to the city of Shinar, which would be in Babylon. Wow. What an unusual vision, right? I don't think a whole lot of us would get a whole lot out of that, but there is some things that we can take away, and they're going to be pretty easy. So all I'm going to do tonight is break this into the two. We're going to deal with verses 1 through 4 in the first vision, and then we're going to deal with verses 5 through 11 and the second vision that's in chapter number 5. And we're going to deal with it like this. I'm going to give you my outline so that it'll be easy. What, it, what we're going to come to understand from this is that he is dealing with the sin of God's people. He's dealing with the sin. And I'm going to show you how this works, but I'm going to give you this outline first. In the first section of it, he is dealing with their sin that is obvious, the obvious sin that they are dealing with. And then in verses 5 through 11, he is dealing with the obscure sin of the children of Israel. He is dealing with the obscure. So I only have two points tonight, the first one being obvious sin, the second point being obscure sin. Now, I do got three points under each one, and you'll get them as we go along, and they're very easy because they're outlined for us in the Scriptures. But we're going to deal with those two things, see how this passage of Scripture talks to us about those and how it is amazing that they find themselves together and we deal with those as they come out. So here in verse number 1 of chapter number 5, we see that he lifts up his eyes and he sees a flying roll or a flying scroll that he sees. And this is what we already said this is going to deal with the obvious sin. What is the flying scroll that he see? Well, if we'll do just a little bit of studying and a little bit of finding with us, we see, number one, that we understand that the scroll or the written word of God is what we are talking about here. He sees it, and not only do we know that it's the written word of God by other types and shadows, which we don't have time to go into, but we see that it passes judgment upon the people. What does it do? It judges those that steal It judges those that swears. It is a matter of fact, it says that it calls them out with a curse upon them. It calls them out with a curse upon the whole earth. God's word goes out and curses, and I, I don't really like to use that word, but the word of God uses that word right here, and it curses whoever it comes into contact with. Now, why is that? Because God's word is perfect and pure and righteous, and we are the opposite of that. Okay? You get, are you staying with me? Are you thinking about it? Right? Okay, good. So here goes God's word out. And wherever it goes, it brings into judgment God's, or people everywhere. And we don't like to, I don't like to use that word necessarily because we're just like, oh, the Word of God is wonderful and the Word of God is, you know, it's the bread that I live by and it's all of these things. But just stop for a moment and really think about it. It's wonderful to you, but is it that wonderful to the rest of the world? Is it wonderful to the lost and dying world? No, they do not want anything to do with it. We live in a world that is trying its best to stop the Word of God at every place that it's anywhere. They do not want God's Word around. It condemns them, it shows them their sin, it speaks of things that they do not like, it speaks of things that they do not understand. And because of that, they want to call it simple, they want to call it outdated. And to them, it curses them, and they want nothing to do with it. The law of God is a schoolmaster. And it shows us what is right and what is wrong. And guess what? When you're wrong, you don't like being told that you're wrong, do you? Last time I checked, nobody does. Nobody does. As a matter of fact, have you ever met that kind of person and then you've got to tell them they're wrong and you know this is not going to go well. And you know what? You're kind of double-checking your work to make sure they are definitely wrong because if I bring this to them, I want to know that they're wrong, right? And still, we bring it to them They see it from the Word of God. And you know this to be true. And I know this to be true. And we show them from the Word of God that they're wrong. And they just, they grit their teeth. And so many times, I don't know about you, but even as I've counseled people, they'll say, I'm still going to do it my way. And you're like, wow. Because the Word of God, let's just face it, it's not wanted, it's a curse. Upon those that do wickedness. Now, this is the first one that we're going to talk about, and I, we could start and go through here, and you can go at home and do that on your on your own. There's plenty, even if you just have a Scofield Bible like I got in front of me, you can go and read these things about that being the law. But I, I want you to notice this in this terms tonight. This is obvious sin. We understand, the other part, and i got to share it, I guess, and make it easy as well, is that we know that this speaks of the Ten Commandments because a lot of times I think a lot of people forget this or they miss it or they weren't taught it or whatever, but the Ten Commandments is broken up into two sections. The sections that deal with you and how you deal with people and and the laws that deal with how you deal with God. Did you know that? Were you aware of that? I hope that you were. I hope that you studied that somewhere along the way. In this right here, he talks about two different people, those that steal and those that blaspheme or those that uh, sweareth against the name of God. And he is specifically going back and speaking about those that break the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, we see it so clear that you're going to have laws inside of that that deal with how you deal with people And then laws in how you deal with God. What did Jesus say? That he could sum up the law in just these two things. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Remember that? He said, I can sum the whole thing up. I can hang everything of the the Ten Commandments on those two things. And here, Zechariah is doing the same things. There are those that break God's law in how they treat other people, and there are those that break God's law in how they deal with God, and both are accountable to God for it. And guess what? It is still true today, and God's Word is obvious in these regards. There there is many times in God's Word it is not hidden from us the truth, is it? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Remember all of these simple ones that we find throughout the Word of God. But isn't it amazing? that when we come right to it, and again, I'm just going to preach it tonight, that when those that want to deal with divorce, all of a sudden, they're able to justify those things from the Word of God. And it's amazing how they do those things and, and what happens with it. And I'm not just talking about divorce per se, but I'm talking about the adultery part that goes with divorce. And because of these things, they just put them away. And they say, I'm... I'm going to explain that. And it's obviously sin from the Word of God. And this is the one that I really didn't want to spend that much time with, because we really don't have to. It's the second part, the obscure part. But it is true in our world today, we still need some preaching on the obvious sin that's in the Word of God, because that gets left by the wayside too. We still see and come to the Word of God, and we see what is right. And we see what is wrong and it's written in black and white for us. But still so many times we go our own way deciding that it's going to be best somehow or it's going to work out better, but it will not. And so... I've really covered my points already. Number one, we see a flying roll, a flying scroll that goes throughout the whole earth. And as it goes throughout the whole earth, it passes a curse upon those who are thieves that's the other part. The second part, the thief and the swear, And it passes its condemnation upon them. And then as it goes out and does that, it consumes. That is number three. God's word will complete its task. It will consume all those who are evil. Notice what he says there in verse number four. It says, Into the house of him that sweareth, and it shall remain in the midst of his house, and it shall consume it with the timber thereof and with the stones thereof. It will consume the whole thing. There are times in our life that we are guilty of obvious sin from the Word of God. And it comes in, and it speaks into our life, and it says to us, Listen. If you don't stop, if you don't change, you will be consumed. It's that plain, isn't it? That's how plain the Word of God is. Listen, your lost friends and relatives, I know, it's difficult. I know we're afraid of rejection. I know we're afraid of all of those type of things. But let me tell you, they need to hear the truth of the word of God because without it, they will be consumed. Everything will be gone. It's not going to work out okay in the end. They need to repent. They need to hear that sin. And isn't it wonderful for the one who comes and realizes that they're a sinner before God, that realizes that this sin is great between them and God, that realizes that it has separated. Isn't it wonderful, and this sounds bad at the beginning, but isn't it wonderful when a sinner feels the weight of his sin? Because guess what? Then he's ready. To hear about a Savior. And you know what? That's what Zachariah's been talking about the whole time. And he's going to talk about it even more as we move into chapter number 6. And he's going to say, listen, there is one. There is one that if you repent, he has the ability. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. These are words that these people would be familiar with. Obvious sin from the word of God. I didn't mean to spend as much time and hopefully we can get through the second one. The second one. So you saw there are three points that we had in there. The flying roll, the 10 commandments, the obvious sin, the thief and the swear, those that are openly breaking God's commandments. Openly breaking God's commandments. Obvious sin. And then we see that there is the condemnation that comes from it, the consuming fire of God that will take that out. Then we see the part that I believe it can be more difficult to deal with and more of a struggle in our life. This is a great uh, vision in a way that we see. So I gotta move through it. Number one, we see the ephah. It's a measurement, a measurement of grain, a measurement of those type of things that would be traded in their time. This is the idea of commerce, This is the idea of a way of doing business and a way of living life in general that until, now listen, this is important, that until the Israelite had gone to Babylon, it was a way of living that was foreign unto him. In the Jewish culture and in the Jewish lifestyle, the most important thing was not to earn a dollar or a shekel or whatever they were going to call it. As a matter of fact, if you go back, and man, if you think about it, their society and their culture all through it, They were taught all the time about how to make sure to take care of those in their community that didn't have as much needs. We know that Porter's Grove, they have a ministry that feeds. What's it called? The corners of the field. Right? Why is that? Because in the Old Testament, they were told don't go and get the stuff out of the corners. Let the widows and let those others come and reap that. And as a matter of fact, they were also told when you're reaping in the field and you drop some stuff, don't go back and pick it up, but leave it for the widows that's all in the book of Ruth isn't it you remember that right and they had ways and they had plans that it wasn't always about the prophet and it wasn't always about the bottom line but God had given them a system where they could care for one another care for the less fortunate and guess what when they went to Babylon they saw a different way of living they saw a different way of living and as a matter of fact they kind of liked it, and a lot of them were pretty good at it too. Now, you might say to yourself, yeah, oh, man, but that's, that was where God put them. That's where God sent them. Can I remind you that Daniel did not compromise to the Babylonian way? Right. Yeah. Daniel didn't live like the rest of them, and it worked out okay for him. And I See, this is how we do it, isn't it? This is how, in this obscure sin, these smaller sin, I don't even want to call them smaller. That's not the right way to put it. The hidden sin, the sin that might not be labeled in the Bible, right? You ever get people bring that stuff to you? Well, what about this? You know, what about, is this really wrong? I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it's specifically said, you know what? If you don't feel so good about doing it, maybe there's something wrong with it, right? Maybe you ought to listen to the Holy Ghost for a little bit and say, you know what? That's not for you. But anyway, I'm kind of digressing. But here we see that even when Daniel and his three friends were placed in a, a place that wasn't their fault, it wasn't their problem, they were dealing with the sins of a whole nation Why they found themselves there. And you know what? They said it doesn't matter where we are, whether we're in Israel or whether we're in Babylon, we're going to serve God. Amen. Guess what? I don't care how wicked our society is. It doesn't give us a pass to sin. Because, see, that's our problem a lot of times. We come along and we're just like, well, the world's just so wicked. What's the point? What's the point of doing this or doing that? It's impossible to raise children in God's house anymore. It's impossible. I've even heard it say, oh, you know what? The church's schedule just conflicts with, you know, the modern life. Oh, which one do you think is more important, right? Because you're going to emphasize that to your children. You're going to emphasize that to them of what means the most. Are you going to conform to your church's schedule? Now, listen, I'm not preaching. I I can't say all that. Anyway, let's keep moving. All right. It was a Babylonian system that they had bought into, a system of commerce, a system of trade that was completely different. And this symbolized it, and it brought it into it. And the Jewish people were not a part of it. But now here they find themselves a part of that. And that's what he's talking about when he says, number two, that's the part, that the woman is placed in the middle. Now, I don't want you to get too carried away with this. In the Hebrew language, the noun that you find for, for evil is a, it's feminine in its gender, if you know how that works with other languages. If you were to speak Spanish, it's male. So there you go, guys, you're just as wicked as the women, okay? But when they translate this, and that's why often it's gonna come out that way, and it sees woman, it's not just saying that all women are evil. So, okay, I didn't say that tonight. We didn't read that out of the Bible or pluck it out that way. It's just bring it out. This is the wickedness that's coming and it's placed in the middle, representing them and how they do it. And here they are finding themselves right in the middle of it. And as they are here, not only is it this system of commerce, this system of living a different way, conforming to the, to the trade and to the, to the ways that they are living, but not only that, it's also speaking of the idolatry that would come to them because it also, as he goes there and he puts the seal on it and he seals it up, because it doesn't belong in Israel, and he flies it out of that place back to Babylon, and that's the third part that we have there, that he places it, if you look on there, on its own base, a place that is meant for an idol to be placed on, and they place it on that idol so that they would worship it in the center. We see that that place of Babylon, it's also an idol, a place that they take that that system and that whole thing. Now, I know this is a ton of stuff and I hope that you'll get all of the, I hope that you'll meditate on it for a little while as you bring them out into this. But I want you to think about the depths of what he's speaking about here. That as this group has traveled into Babylon and they have seen a different way of living, they have brought that home. They have brought that To Israel. A place that it doesn't belong. A place that it doesn't... And then they've actually made an idol out of it. And this has become everything to them. That this money, this system, the prestige that comes with it, and all of those things that go along with it has become the most important thing in their life. Their wealth, their stability, their security. And Zechariah has to remind them that this doesn't belong in God's house. Now, this is a tough sin. A lot of people go, yeah, yeah, you know, money's the root of all evil, but that's not what the Word of God says, right? The love of money, right, is the root of all evil. A lot of people want to put... Other, it's not having money. I'm not coming in here preaching tonight and telling all of you that if you don't sell all of your earthly belongings and you know, give it to the poor that you're not saved and you're not real. That's not it. But what makes it difficult and what makes it obscure or hidden with this sin is what is your heart doing with it. See, that's why this is so difficult. Because we can come to church, we can do good. You might even give way more money to more missions than I could ever give. But you still love your security and your wealth because you're only going to give to a point. You're not really going to give till it hurts, right? See, that's what a sacrifice is, right? You're going to give to a certain point. Well, we better be careful. And I, and I, listen, I'm not telling you what to do with your finances. The word of God speaks enough, and I get it. Some of these things, and this is why these are difficult. This is why this is tough. This is why it comes in here, and it's obscure sin. You might, you, you might be, like I said, come, you might be the richest person in here. But you could care less about your wealth. And that's wonderful. I hope that's true. You might be the one that's just barely making it, but for you, these things are the most important. And you can't stop because it, you've got to have more and you've bought into the system and everything has to be profitable and everything has to be right there. These are those obscure sins that we come along and you can keep going down the line with those things, that they're good, but they take our heart away from Christ. And as soon as that happens, there's sin. And you know what? It's a sin against God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We obscure those it, it, it's hidden. it really is. but what are we going to do with them? Where are we going to bring them? Are we going to be able to repent of those? Because it's difficult to come to the pastor and and explain that even sometimes it's difficult I, I, I think this is why the Word of God wants us to meditate on these. Two things. I think that's why God put these here. It's easy to come and repent of the obvious sin, right? You know, I messed up this week, and I did this, and I shouldn't have done it. And, uh, and I see right here out of the Word of God where it's wrong, and I see how it messed. But I can come and repent, and it's easy. But this obscure sin, we are so good at constantly justifying it and constantly saying, no, no, that can't be the way it is. And we hold on to it, and we love it so much. And we say, it really can't be that big of a problem. But yet, and listen, here's the thing. Look at what's going on. Things that they picked up in a foreign land, and they try to implement them into the way of life in God's house. It doesn't work. It doesn't go together. And finally, God says, we got to get rid of it. But here we still try to put those things together. And it just like any other sin, it destroys relationships. It destroys lives. uh, It consumes our thoughts uh, and to where we're not in the word of God, the way that we should be. We're not in God's house, the way that we should be. We're not caring for the things of God in the manner because we have a drive that's outside of it and it consumes us but yet we keep justifying it well it can't be that bad God's the one that put me in Babylon in the first place God's the one that led us all there God's the one that did this and did that well what do you mean that wealth isn't God's blessing on me Can I remind you that when Satan tempted Jesus Christ himself, one of the things he said is, look over all the lands. I'll give you all of that. For a lot of us, our price is a lot less when Satan comes along. says, how about I give you a promotion? Okay, I'll stop going to church on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights for that promotion. I'll have to get up earlier and it'll probably mean a lot more of my time. I'm just too busy to read God's word. Well, I need that promotion. Our price is a lot less when Satan comes along and puts it in front of us. And the sin is obscure. The sin is hidden. The sin is not obvious. But it is just as devastating. And might I say, it's pretty sly as well. Satan is no fool. Satan is no fool. But aren't you glad that we can come and repent? It doesn't matter. Listen, you might think, oh, you don't know, you don't understand. I can't even explain this sin. Tell it to God. He knows all about it. Don't tell it to me. You don't got to confess nothing to me. I am so glad that we're not Catholic. Amen? And I got to listen to confession. Oh, my word. That would be traumatizing, right? wouldn't for me anyway it'd be very time-consuming probably as well because <laughs> we're all a bunch of sinners. wonder who listens to the priest. Con- anyway, that was, yeah. Aren't you glad that we can bring it to Jesus and confess it? And he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Oh, what a God we serve, amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. They come and prepare a hymn of invitation tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, do with your word what you need to do. We are thankful for the word of God. We pray that we would faithfully preach it, even when it's not as easy. Even, dear God, when I feel like sometimes we're just handing it to your people, and they got to connect the dots as it were help us not be afraid to to just bring it and and hand it in to them and say why don't you go chew on this why don't you go think and dwell on this why don't you meditate on what god Are, are we are we living the system of this world it's so amazing we didn't even address it but god as we see in the end times in the book of Revelation, you use the same word Babylon to describe the world system of that time. A time that's future. Dear God, I do believe that we find ourselves caught up in that that culture and it's so far away from how you want us to live. Dear God, give us the strength. Give us the the perception. Give us the ability to take the time to do some inventory and and, and meditate and say, God, what needs to go? What do I need to repent of? What needs to, maybe it doesn't even need to go. What, What needs to just slow down? Dear God, help us to be careful with these precious treasures that you give us our time, our wealth. Help us to be careful with them. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Dear God, help us to lay up those treasures in heaven so that our heart would follow suit and be in love with you. We're thankful again for your word let it do the work it needs to do. In Christ's wonderful name we pray, amen. As we stand and sing.
3: How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He would give His only Son. To make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns his face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to